What's up, lovely humans, and welcome to That's Exciting, the podcast. 2023. Whoo! In celebration of this new year, we just had to take a trip down memory lane. So we're going to jump in my top five moments of 2022. And stick to the end where a special guest and I celebrate the first anniversary of the show and where I share a little exclusive accountability. To be fair, selecting my top five was very difficult and I easily could have done a compilation of my favorite moments, but a nine hour episode could have been fairly intense. (laughs) So without further ado, let's jump right in. At the top of my list, because I am a biased human being when it comes to my family, and I have to admit that, is episode number nine, U-Haul Lesbian Move, Feet My Cousin Nuki. Back in December 2020, I flew to New York and we went to record this very episode. And we sat down, talked about her coming out story, and I also got to learn more about my family, the dynamics, and her journey coming out. Why I like this episode so much is not simply because it's learning more about my family and learning more about my cousin's experience, but more so that it speaks a lot about the queer um, the queer journey. Um, myself, I don't think I have talked about my own coming out in this podcast. Um, I might have alluded to it, but I feel that this is something very important. Wherever you may sit on the sexuality spec- orientation spectrum, may you be like heterosexual or you may be like queer AF. I feel that these conversations can be very enriching, either to understand what the queer experience may look like to have a sense of belonging and that's where you're at in your journey or even to just hear about people's experience in their coming out journey and find community in that. I feel like that can be very empowering, enriching, enlightening and that we can learn a lot from these conversations. So got to sit down, talk about queerness, talk about her coming out and talk about her huge U-Haul lesbian move from New York to L.A. (laughs) But this excerpt in particular is my favorite. How did you find your community in New York? A black queer community? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got back in touch with... So when I was in school here, before I left, when I was in high school, college or whatever, I went to an old girls school. Mm -hmm. Turns out they were all fucking each other. Not all, but... (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue. Right. I didn't fucking know. Right. So I figured out that I'm gay, like, May of senior year in high school. So I missed all the fun. (laughs) (laughs) And the way I figured it out, I had this close friend of mine. There was this girl, like, who was a junior who started hanging out with us all the time. And I was, like, so fucking annoyed about this new friend she had. And I was like, what the fuck? Why is this fucking junior around all the fucking time, you know? And then my friend was, like, really nervous and was like, Renee, I have something to tell you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know. And it was like... Do, 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 you know? She was always around. She was there. <laughs> you know? Computed. Everything computed. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've had a crush on you this whole time. Like in my head, like I didn't tell her. But that's when I realized I had a crush on my friend this whole time and I hated that's this why you fucking idiot. That's why I was bothered, man. This <laughs> asshole. Because I had a crush on my friend. 
And that's how you found your community. No. No. <laughs> like, not quite yet. So fast forward, when I'm coming back to Cal, coming back to New York from Cali, yeah. I'm trolling the internet, whatever. I forget what platform I was on. There was an ad and it was someone's picture. And I was like, I know this girl. And it was this girl I went to high school with. Turns out this is my best friend now. You know, it was like a dating ad or was it like find your community? Type no, it was like, it was... Hey, put myself ad. out there. Hey. It was a dating ad. And then I was like, hey, what's, you know, and it was like that. We got back in touch. Okay. And then she had friends and then we started all hanging out. And then from there, my circle expanded. Expanded. Nice. We joined Meetup. And that's how I met my current partner. That's how you met? Like 10 years late, 10 years after that. or So it was through a Meetup. Through a Meetup, yeah. Oh, through a book club. Wow. It's like, yeah, I read books too. Who made the first move? I mean, I said hello first. Does that qualify as the first move? Who said, hey, I'm interested in you? That's the first move. I don't think anyone ever said that. So how did it happen? Like, how did y'all started to talk? And we're like, hey, I think I'm interested. Okay, so she like tricked me into a first date. I mean, she's a doer in the family, right? I'm the dreamer. She's a doer. Um, so I'm in love with all things Haitian. I'm a big yeah. fan of Edwidge Danzika. She's a Haitian writer, Haitian-American writer. And Edwidge Danzika was at the New York Public Library mm-hmm. doing, um, she had some book that came out. And she was at the New York Public Library doing a talk. She was being interviewed. It was like a whole thing. Okay. So we were in this meetup group and the meetup group had a like an email list chat group thing. Like if you send a message, everyone would see it. So she sent a message saying, oh, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Is anyone interested? Knowing she was speaking directly to you. Knowing she. She was talking huh. to your heart. She, she was, was talking, talking to my to heart. heart. <laughs> she was singing to me. She was just like, mm, let me just let me slide and just say hello. Right. This was before you would slide into the DM. She right. And she slid into the email group. <laughs> <laughs> she slid into the email group. Wow. Episode seven, erotic literature with my friend Liv. That was one of the most challenging episodes. And I know it sounds bad when I frame it like that, but it really was. Not the episode itself, but just the challenge that I gave myself. So when prepping for this episode, I told Liv that I wanted to do like a fun activity. So I was going to write an erotica piece and completely failed at doing so. (laughs) So... I had to double up and um, that just might be my competitiveness, probably. And I decided to do an audio version of that script that I wrote. And that was the part that was really challenging because starting this podcast about sexuality, especially with a Haitian background, is interesting to navigate to say the least. Um, I don't even know if my family or some people in my family listen to the show. But that was kind of like a, ooh, am I really putting this out? Am I really, like, moving forward with this? Am I gonna, you know, like, have a whole erotica piece available for everyone to hear? And my family's gonna maybe come across that? And you know what? I posted it anyways. You may have liked it. You may have been indifferent. You may disliked it. But the point of that was to push myself outside of my comfort zone and explore a different medium through which sexuality is talked about and where we can learn. Because as Liv says in that episode, we can learn a lot about erotica literature and also romance. And I'm not talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm talking about actual novels that are not that problematic. (laughs) And also for us to explore different mediums. Some people like pornography. Some people like audio erotica. Some people like erotica and romance literature. And 
I thought that it would be interesting to explore those avenues. And to explore those avenues even further, Liv is releasing her book on January 20th, Cusp of Darkness. I'm so proud of her. It's just amazing. I'll link the Amazon link and also her profile link in the show notes. But that was just a perfect opportunity to uplift my friend and her work and her knowledge in that area and also her skills writing. So give it a look. And we're going to give a listen to the excerpt that scared the crap out of me. God damn. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I love how descriptive it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really plays into the imagination more than what I would thought, which... I really appreciate it because I'm able to visualize. Mm -hmm. That's that's my big thing, right? With writing, it has to be written in a way that I can visualize. Um, And that was very descriptive. (laughs) And it did that for you. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I feel like um, I think I may have read a little fast. And normally, if you read an audiobook, you're going to go a lot slower and you have that kind of anticipation and that buildup and that that tension. But I think you're right. Like, I think within a lot of these, it's so descriptive. And that's one thing that I love about them is that when I say that, like, you can understand how to act in a certain scenario or a certain position. Like it really describes everything for you. <laughs> it's like you're doing it yourself. Like that's exactly what it is. Now I'm getting a little shy. I'm apprehensive because I wrote a little something. And I loved it. Really? I did. I thought it was great. It wasn't what I was expecting because I um, only really dive into novels like that scripture that type of format so yours was a screenplay which i thought was really interesting to read so i liked it how do you improve what i wrote like what's working what's not how to improve it yeah let's talk about what was working though because i really liked a lot i liked how you have kind of a power play going on which is fun you have a really good play and grasp of anticipation and that teasing kind of the build-up we love a good build-up that's what we need um so that was really good and especially for your first one like this was I mean, you said it, it took you two martinis or margaritas for you to to get into it. Two two martinis, yes. Did it just naturally? Like, did it feel natural to you once you were kind of a little tipsy, or were you kind of awkward writing it? it? It was natural when I had the right music. I was listening to Bryson Tyler on repeat, but it took a long time to figure out what I wanted to write about. Okay, okay. The only thing I would say is that get even more descriptive. Like, I know that this is more, like, this isn't really like a novel necessarily, and it's kind of like a mix of like a screenplay, but also just like an audio kind of excerpt. But like, tell me where that vibrator is pressing, where those vibrations are stemming from, how that feels. Am I jerking? Am I, you know, am I, is it overwhelming me? Is it that kind of thing? Like, don't like, don't hide anything from me. So it lives great advice. I won't hide anything from you. And now it's your time. It's your turn to hear what I wrote. A little backstory. It's two people that are in a grandiose studio. And one of them is tied somehow. So enjoy this listen. And also think about your challenge. You're going to have to write your erotica piece and send it to the podcast at contact at that's exciting that co And... Now, enjoy. Visualizing her voluptuous silhouette sensually walking towards me with that mischievous gaze, contemplating all the things she'll do to me. (laughs) Confession. I've never been in this vulnerable of situations, nor did I ever imagine being in one. 
All I can do is anticipate every little thing that comes my way and embrace all of it. Heels. Hmm. I can feel the heat of her body radiating across the room. Is she wearing that black lace outfit that makes her ass look like a snack? Is it the red mesh see-through laundry kit? Where the fuck is she? Is this too tight? The firm tightening around my wrist implies that she must be behind me. Her belly's warming my shoulders, her breast caresses my cheek. I always like the smell of her skin. I raise my left hand in an attempt to caress her hip. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? When questions are asked, I expect an answer from you. Understood? Take your stuff back. I think it's really good. I really do. I like the dialogue. You have a very good grasp of dialogue. The dialogue in the moment is really good and like continuously reinforcing. So I think you said at one point, is this too tight? Like even something that simple mm -hmm. is so important to just be checking in with your partner and whether that be in real life, in a fantasy, whatever, just having that continuous stream of communication. Mm -hmm. Obviously you grasp that, but it's like, it's such an important thing that people often overlook. So I'm just, I'm so happy you actually like slipped that in there in a way that was sexy, in a way that was good. It flowed. That kind of communication can really go with the mood and it really just yes. emphasizes, right? Like it doesn't take away from the scene at all. Episode number 12, Dad, You Did This to Mom? Featuring Preach and my cousin Mike. In regards to excerpt, I could have chosen so many excerpts from that interview itself. So if you haven't listened to it, just go have a listen. This is personally one of my favorite episodes because I love to hear about people's experience especially experiences that I don't hear a lot about um, due to either the content that I consume or conversations that I have with peers around me. And for that one, that was specifically about the birds and a bees talk or the lack thereof from a male perspective. So given my circle, I hear a lot about uh, women, queer folks experience, but I was really curious to hear like, what did, you know, Preach and my cousin learn about sexuality in their household growing up? Furthermore, I was really interested in hearing about the sex ed talk within a Haitian household. So for Preach, it was really interesting to hear from his perspective, the talk that he had with his dad and the perspective of his sister and the impact that that had on their dynamic as siblings. And with my cousin, <laughs> um, it was just one really fun to learn more about my family. Haha, -ha, here are my bias shows again. Um, but it was really hilarious to hear about how he had his first conversation ever about sexuality with my great aunt. And to me, it just shows how humor sometimes can just break the awkwardness that these conversations can uh, have. And I think my great aunt did a beautiful job <laughs> at breaking that awkwardness or creating it. But overall, just opening that conversation. And uh, she really got my cousins talking with that approach. So the excerpt you're about to hear is my cousin Mike on his sex ed talk. Colorful, might I add, sex ed talk with my great aunt. And if you don't know what a pigeon is... 
This is a penis. Did you have the birds and the bees talk growing up? Yes. It was from our aunt from Florida. And the way she did it, it was me, the and she kind of just like dramatically came in a room and just started pulling her dress and turned her gown into a penis. And that was like, to <laughs> all of us there, I was the only guy in the room. She's like, yo, you see this pigeon, this penis? It goes in the vagina and then you cause trouble. You cause big trouble, then you pregnant. And we were like, hell no, that's not how it happens. So we got into a big discussion and she was like, no, basically telling us don't do it too early. Okay. And that if you do do it too early, these are the problems that will happen. You could get pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. And she kind of made us scared. Mm. You know what? My mother kind of gave me one too, where she was, hers was more like godly, you know, the classic Haitian way. Mm -hmm. Oh, before you do that, you must find a wife. You know, she kind of explained like, when you do have sex, you will have a baby. So everything that I thought in my mind about sex was that as soon as you have sex, you might have a kid. Okay. So that was basically like the fear factor when my mother brought it to me too. Looking back at the sex talk that you had and all the don'ts, do you feel like the sex talk was effective? The sex talk happens, but it kind of does entice you to want to figure out what's really going on when it gets down in the bedroom because you're like, damn, they got me all scared about this, but you know what? I want to try it. Yeah, that's that's what's interesting about the don'ts because it kind of entices you to do it. I was one of the first siblings and cousins in the family to have a child, so I know at a young, young age. So I don't think it made me that scared. <laughs> right. What do you wish you have learned in your sex talk? I wish I actually had like a, a older, I never had an older man tell me about the birds and the bees. It was like woman. I wish I had a man teach me. I did have an older cousin that showed me a porno, but I was real young. And I think that wasn't good because that gave me a whole different perception. But um, yeah, I wish a male sat down and broke it down to me because there's a lot of things that a female could tell a dude, but uh, another man to man, it's kind of like you kind of get more of a better insight on like what's really going down. You also have a son. Yes. Did you have the sex talk with your son? Oh, yes. And he talks about sex with me all the time. That's the bad thing because he, he tells me everything. But I guess that's what would have happened to me if I had an older male explain to me everything. So I told him the do's and the don'ts and the slowdowns. And the, so he kind of has a way better understanding than I did because of my experiences. Because I believe like as parents, we shouldn't allow our children to go through the mistakes that we make. But sometimes parents just don't understand, I swear. Mm -hmm. And they forget that, yo, we humans and we can talk. We have two more exciting excerpts on the list, but we'll be right back right after this. When it comes to sexual pleasure, there's nothing I hated more than the feeling of drying out lube and the process of having to find a compatible and enjoyable lube for my silicone toys. If that's your case, Sutil is the perfect lube for you. I've been using Sutil Lux for the past two years and let me tell you, the texture is amazing. It is so silky and really pleasurable, so I'm not changing my lube anytime soon. Sutil is a water-based, paraben, and glycerin-free 
pH balance, that's very important. Lube made with the finest botanical, eco-certified ingredients. Made by two Canadian women who understand the whys, what's, and how's. They offer Sutil in deluxe and rich formats, optimal for any type of play. Perfect with condoms and your favorite toys. Enhance your experiences today. For luxurious and silky pleasure, choose Sutil. Episode 11, Jealousy, Healing, and Polyamory with my friend Carol is a tie with the episode I did is Flirting Selfish with Jared. Both of those episodes talk about non-monogamy. Carol talks about polyamory and Jared talks about open relationship with his wife, Shen. And these were really interesting perspectives. Although the conversation with Jared did not expand too much on the non-monogamy part. It was an excerpt. So if you're curious, you can always check that episode out. I chose the episode with Carol that was dedicated to polyamory. I think there is a lot of attraction to the topic of polyamory and people are curious about that quote-unquote not traditional relationship style. And Carol just eloquently explained and talked about her journey and her experience and what polyamory is to her. And the following excerpt talks about jealousy. I did a survey with over 200 answers about what is non-monogamy. And at the end of that survey, I asked people if they had any questions for people in non-monogamous relationships. And jealousy kept coming up. And so I think Carol really explained this so eloquently. Can you unlearn jealousy or is jealousy a part of ethical non-monogamy? Because I've did a survey and one of the things that came up is what do you do about jealousy? Mm-hmm. Are you jealous? How yeah. can you like yeah. all of the things around jealousy and also possession mm-hmm. came up too? Mm-hmm. So is there a process of unlearning jealousy or is jealousy a part also of being in ethical non-monogamous relationships? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. I do think it's a misconception that like non-monogamous folks don't get jealous. For me anyway, that is absolutely part of non-monogamy is feelings of jealousy but I think that the way that I approach them is extremely different to how I used to I think like the go-to for me was like if I was feeling jealous then I was blaming somebody for those feelings you know it's like how dare you do that I'm feeling jealous because of an action that you just did and this is so interesting because I don't know where I've heard this but people get jealous in every spheres of their life maybe at work maybe from a family member you don't put it on the other person but once it's in a relationship it's you're doing this thing that makes me feel jealous so you better stop right now what you're doing yes which is very interesting exactly and yeah i think that that is a huge lesson because also part of being non-monogamous has been like taking responsibility for my feelings and really learning that you know my feelings are my my responsibility and your feelings are your responsibility mm-hmm. and we can support each other but you know it's never somebody's fault that i felt away like no that's that's my it's an invitation like i think of jealousy as an invitation to look at what exactly it is that's making me jealous and what's lying underneath it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've seen those like emotions icebergs yes, where you have like an emotion at the top mm-hmm. um, and that's how it's presenting itself and then there's everything else that's actually happening underneath. You know, what are the root things that are going on? So for me, jealousy is like the top of that iceberg and then it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel jealous. I'm noticing feelings of jealousy. So I'm going to look under the water and see what's actually going on beneath and that helps me to understand myself better and then, you know, being able, if that 
that is within kind of the realm of a relationship that I'm in, being able to talk that through with whoever, you know, those feelings have come up with has been very healing for me. And it's not in a way to be like, you did this to me, how dare you? I'm angry at you for it. Right. But more to be like, I'm noticing that these are the things going on for me in a really like non-judgmental way, a non-accusatory way. Mm-hmm. Oof, I think I, I smashed that word. <laughs> I wasn't sure it was going to come out all right, but I think it did. <laughs> but yeah, and then us having a conversation about what that means for boundaries moving forward. You know, is this actually like I'm feeling jealous and I'm noticing it's like triggering certain things in me because of X, Y, Z experience that I've had in the past. But, you know, I just want to talk it through and then I'm going to let it go. And that's right. it. Or is it like, actually, I'm feeling these jealous things because of X, Y, Z that maybe happened in the past. And it's a non-negotiable for me that we have to shift things basically as a result right. of that for me to feel comfortable and to feel safe in this dynamic and in this relationship. But it's always a conversation and it's like coming from a place of like listening and hearing each other and trying to understand each other. And now the last excerpt of my top five is episode number eight. No, you're not clean. Featuring Dr. Ina Park. Conversation about STIs and sex ed are so important, especially given the type of sexual education that we get in our system. I'm talking specifically in Montreal, Canada, but if you are from Canada or the US, most likely your sex ed talk was either abstinence only and or fear-based education. Aside from having basic anatomy classes, You don't talk about pleasure. You don't talk about what the clitoris is. You don't talk about different ways that sexuality exists, um, which in other words would be an inclusive sex ed program. It's basically telling you that you shouldn't have sex before marriage or you shouldn't have sex before a relationship. Or if you catch an STI, that's the end of the world and you're never going to have a fulfilling sex life. Um, And that makes me think about the mean girl scene where the gym coach does the sex ed talk and he says, if you have sex, you'll catch chlamydia and die. Um, Which is why I thought it would be really important to have a conversation about STIs on the podcast and why this excerpt is at the top of my list. Because if you know me by now, I love some game and we played a game where we debunk some myth, urban legends about STDs and STIs. And we finally get the answer to, can you catch an STD from a public toilet? First one is, if you catch an STD or an SEI, you cheated, if you're in a relationship, of course. That is, ooh, it's sometimes true, but not always. Okay. Can you expand on that? Yes, because sometimes some STIs can actually be hanging out and not have any symptoms. So if you did not get tested right before this relationship and this STI suddenly appears, you know what I mean? You could have been holding on to it for a couple of months and come into the relationship. So you cannot pin it on your current partner necessarily. When you can pin it, let me tell you when you can pin it on them. If y'all both get tested, everything is negative, you start having sex and then something shows up that you both already got tested for somebody did something outside the relationship you can catch an STD and STI from a mosquito no 
You can catch other viruses from mosquitoes. You can catch malaria, mm-hmm. chikungunya, dengue, no problem. But STIs, you're going to catch by rubbing up against somebody or having some kind of sex with them, oral, vaginal, or anal. Don't worry about catching STIs from mosquitoes. You can catch an STD, STI from a public toilet. No. Okay, someone's going to like correct me and say, but what if someone like just came on the toilet and then I rubbed my vulva on them? I'm like, okay. Very specific. That's- yeah, yeah, you want to get specific. Yes. You'd be like, if we want to try and you're like, oh, look, I have an STI. Let me rub my vulva on this toilet and then I want you to come and rub your vulva right after I did. Well, okay. But no, it's not going to happen. So that's the other thing that happens when an STI enters a relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one partner will say, I must have gotten it from a toilet. No. Maybe, you know, it's hard with cheating to figure out what happens sometimes, but if they tell you I got it from a toilet seat, then they probably cheated. You know, and they don't want to they don't want to admit it. Yeah, there's a lack of honesty here. I know. Foreign objects, you know, like towels or towels or toilet seats or things like that are not the way people usually catch STIs. It's really usually from some sort of intimate contact. Oral sex is safer sex. So false, it's not safe for sex for STIs, only for HIV, because almost every STI can be transmitted through oral sex. Don't stop having oral sex. And I want you to know that it, it can happen. So if, especially if you're giving a lot of oral sex, performing a lot of oral sex on penises, you know, I would ask your clinician about swabbing your throat. Now for the last portion of the show, I sat down with my friend Jen and talked about the podcast. If you're an OG and have listened to the credits, you definitely heard Jen's name. She has helped me a lot in the production aspect, specifically in regards to the interviews, given her background in journalism. So we played a little game and answered a few questions about the show. That's exciting. This is about to be a year old already. Your baby is crawling and eating. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about how it's been the entire year. I think it's important to like do a look back into the year, but also to have fun with it. So like Mm -hmm. ask a couple of questions and do a couple of games. And you know how I feel about games. Exactly. So the game is that I'm going to give you a couple of quotes and they're all taken Mm -hmm. from your episodes. Mm -hmm. And um, basically like you get a point if you find either the episode or the guest that said that quote. Am I a guest? Oh, no, no, no. Look at me trying to get some spoilers. Okay. I'm a, mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to go over here, bitch. Okay. <laughs> Not bitch. Guess the excerpt. The first quote goes by this. I think I want to learn how to trust again because I have a fear of intimacy, of being close to a partner, just because the people closest to me have always hurt me the most. Me. Yes. <laughs> on the episode with uh, Sarani on vulnerability and photography. Okay, shout out, shout out. And what's funny is that the first question I asked you was, can it, can it be quote, uh, quotes from me? <laughs> so... I'll be knowing. I wanted the first quote to be you. 
because the evolution is like, well, first of all, you're the host and you're a good ass <laughs> host. So, <laughs> so I think it's important to like acknowledge that, but also because it's so funny to see how the year started and you said that quote and then there's an episode with Bay. <laughs> That came out like not too long ago. So it's like, I love to see the evolution. Is If we elaborate a bit on that, that quote specifically, it's leading with fears um, rather than love. moving through fear with love. Um, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of surprising because I, when I started to, you know, uh, date my girlfriend, it was like, yeah, but I don't want anything serious. <laughs> you can attest. Yo. You can attest. And um, fears are still there. Be like, learn to work through them and also be able to communicate that with your partner because I think communication is very important. It's a reoccurring theme, you know? Absolutely. Quote number two. We don't say to men like, oh my gosh, if you always orgasm by intercourse, <gasps> you might always want that. I don't know the number, but I can bet you my life that it is Dr. Laurie Mintz Jeez. on the episode Where Is It Clitoris? <laughs> hey. That's a two for two. Mm-hmm. That's a two for two. That episode honestly was really eye-opening simply because it's fascinating the conception that society has around women's sexuality and how even women we can perpetuate these stereotypes and these ideas. I'm not sure what the... Um, Statistics was specifically, but I think it was something around like the clitoris, not the vagina, is our most essential organ for orgasm. And only four to 18 percent of us can orgasm from penetration alone. Four to 18 percent. It's like, damn, we're not broken. And that's what's sold. Like when you go online, it's always about, well, when it comes to heterosexual relationships, mm-hmm. it's always vagina, penis. The, we, we need to have discussions on how women can not only participate in sex, but also enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the conversation with uh, Dr. Lori Mintz was very important because of that. I learned a lot from that one. I think it, it was one of my favorite episodes. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it was very informative and eye-opening. So... Yeah. One last quote. And Yancy, I think you're gonna get this one. <laughs> I think y'all motherfuckers had a clitoris for five years. Before that, it didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was the funniest shit. Honestly, this is preach on the episode about uh, the sex talk. Dad, you did this to mom? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This episode was so fun, yet so hard, because interviewing comedians, (laughs) the podcast really opened my eyes to what is the work of an interviewer. And so you have different personalities and you have different things to manage. A comedian just want to make you laugh. True. So I still have a line of questions that I want to go through, but you're funny. So I'm just like, <laughs> tell me more about that. Like, <laughs> So in that sense, it's been hard, but it's been great to hear from his experience. And I also love the, the relationship that he um, that Preach has with his sister. My sister talks to me about her sex experiences. And I'm not like, mm-hmm, go on. So what do you do? 
girl, the shaft? No. Like, yeah, that, that, that's just me and my sister. I love it. I love it. That, that's, that's me and my sister. He did what the who? <laughs> did bent over? Really? How, girl? How did you put your hair? He did, ain't it? Oh, yeah. That's just me and my sister, how we are. We're super open about it, mm. right? And it's it's just cool to hear from Haitian folks what the sex ed talk that they had and also how that conversation is being had at home. I think that one thing that is like super nice about your podcast is the array of people and voices that we hear and different experiences and different like I think it's very like it's super nice to have all those different perspectives because if I think of like me and my daily life. Mm-hmm the perspectives that I have around me can be kind of the same. And I feel like for everyone, it's kind of the same thing. Mm. So your podcast is kind of like a way for us to hear different voices, different experiences, things that are completely unknown to us. Mm. And so, yeah, thank you for your work, girl. Oh my God. <laughs> Look at me getting my flowers. <laughs> as you should. As you should. <laughs> You've talked about creating the podcast because of your curiosity about sex, relationships, and human beings. Uh, your desire to learn and hear more about the topic and to share not only expertise, but relatable experiences. Mm-hmm. So, so far, do you think you are accomplishing your goal? Um, I think I am accomplishing the goal of just exploring sexuality with curiosity and just asking questions um, and exploring a topic that is so taboo and yet that everybody engages in to a certain extent. So I think I've been doing a pretty good job at at bringing those topics forward. Maybe not a consistent job um, because as some of you know, the podcast um, is now actually a bi-monthly show and not a weekly show because that was just too much work to do all on my own um, because if you didn't know by now I do all of the recording all of the interviews all of the research all of the um, social media stuff all the sound designing like pretty much from A to Z uh, now also Jen is helping me has helped me a lot um, especially girl stop <laughs> You did. You did help me a lot in listening to the episodes and let me know like, oh, actually, I don't know about this angle or I think that that could there's a lot of value in this. Um, It's been really interesting to have guidance because I'm usually someone that works alone, like a one woman band. So that has really relieved a lot of stress. So your work, girl, really helped me out. And also we got somebody on the TikTok right now that is posting this stuff on social. Shade, shout outs to you. Um so that's that's been pretty helpful because I don't want to spread my thin, myself thin just, you know, posting everything, editing everything and also going to university, having a job, having contracts and it's just a lot. A social life. I don't really have that. You should neglect it, but that's another topic oh, for another. <laughs> that's another wow. topic for another day. Wow, we're not we're not gonna do this. Did I did I neglect our friendship? No, no, you didn't. Mm. I think you always make sure to have like a a checkup. Yeah, I think like because I think it would be interesting, you know, if. I, I talk about so much, oh, check-ins are really important and check-ins with your, your friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. being someone that value communication and relating to one another, um, not doing that would be kind of weird. Um, and that's also why I don't want to spread myself thin because 
I'm not going to have the energy to invest in myself to be able to invest in the relationship that matters to me, right? So, yeah. <laughs> this wraps up 2022, a tumultuous year on a personal note and a growth year for the podcast. And the show wouldn't be what it is today without you listening right now. And that's you listening in Montreal, in Canada, in the U.S., in Puerto Rico, the Bermudas, France, Germany, Australia, U.K., Spain, Portugal. From the statistics of the show, people are listening all over and... I never would have imagined that. It's it's so amazing when you start a project and a passion project like that's exciting and you post it and you get so happy when you get two people listening to the show every time an episode comes out and then growth to two and now we're over a hundred people that listen to the show every time it comes out. That really, it really warms my heart and uh, the show wouldn't be what it is without everyone listening right now. So a huge thank you. Also, the show wouldn't be what it is right now without the people who contributed to the GoFundMe because That's Exciting is in a trademark process now and the show was able to cover the primary expenses like distribution platform and all that stuff. So a big part of the credit goes to everybody listening and chiming in the conversations and that make the show what it is today. So a big round of applause for everybody. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the top five. Before I leave you, I did say that I was gonna have a little accountability moment. Accountability, here we go. Accountability number one. I would love to create a segment with the sexual green flags where I hear from you. Just like this. Somebody that's willing to receive as much as they like to give. I need to be emotionally and intellectually stimulated. Being for somebody who's neurodivergent, understanding sensory and the space to feel safe. Caring about one's body. It can be birth control and getting tested. You might move the intimacy one step closer. If they move it even closer. If somebody offers up their status right away saying like, hey, you know, just so you know, I got tested. Engaging in sexual acts that aren't penetration. Service without demand. So if you're down to be a part of these conversations, click the link in the show notes, share it with your friends. That really makes a difference. It's super simple and it takes less than a minute. You just click the link in the show notes, you record your voice, and you have the chance of being featured in an episode. And as they say, the merrier, the better. Accountability number two. The show is on YouTube, but there's not the video format that everyone has been requesting. So this comes to logistics, um, given the format of the show where I pop out here and there to explain concepts, share experiences and all that stuff. I just need the time and the resources, but definitely in 2023, I would love to make this happen. So this is not a promise. It's much more an accountability moment where I voice um, something that I'd like to do. And that's a way to hold me accountable. And lastly, I would love to engage more with the audience And I'm running out of ideas. So if you have any ideas on how to do that, or if you'd like to be a part of the team of That's Exciting, shoot us an email at hi at thatsexciting.co. All right. And now is the time where I tell you, take care of yourself and your loved ones. And stay curious, because that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah.
before we leave on production team recording editing and sound design by yours truly myself Yancy. special thanks to Jane P for her assistance on production the official that's exciting anthem by Calder Nash the amazing vocals on the track by Mel Pacifico that's all for today's episode and until next week stay curious because that's exciting Baby, come and 